Hello and welcome to the Learn Medical Art podcast where we share our tips, tricks and advice on the medical illustration and animation industry. I'm Emily Holden, a medical illustrator and animator. And I'm Anna Campbell, also a medical illustrator and animator. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode and more educational content such as industry interviews, tutorials and more at www.learnmedical.art. Great, so what are we discussing today Annie? Okay, well, Emily, today we are going to have a discussion about basic art fundamental skills and the way that you can hone those skills to bring your work to the next level. So art fundamental training is so, so important to learn and maintain throughout your creative career. Coming from a science background, I didn't quite realize how important art fundamental training was. I like do an assignment drawing shapes here and there, but I never quite connected the shapes with the more complex illustrations that I was creating. And I think this led to really flat, lifeless illustrations. And I kind of forgot about keeping up with my art fundamental training when I got my first job. And then over the years, I realized that I actually struggled and took a lot more time with more challenging assignments that required concepts that were a bit out of the box. It's definitely common to hear that most art schools don't teach you everything you need to know about art fundamentals. And even though there's some truth to that, I feel like they gave you the right push and stepping stones towards learning more on your own. As an art student, I definitely felt like I spent a lot of time waiting around for someone to actually teach me everything I needed to know (laughs) to become an awesome artist. But uh, unfortunately, that's just not going to (laughs) happen. It's not as simple as that. We want to go over this topic today as we want to encourage people to push the boundaries of what they have been taught and find their own recognisable voice in their work. Often we heavily focus on all the software we know and have this as a good list of core skills on our CV, but what really matters is how we use these basic skills whilst considering all other important art fundamentals. There's no use in having a list of software on your CV and no evidence that you're any better than the next person who's learned that same software. Totally, and and we see a lot of CVs you know, that say Mm -hmm. that they know a lot about a program, like Photoshop, for instance, but the real evidence on whether or not they know how to use these programs effectively is really shown in their portfolio work. So rather than focusing on how many functions you own a software, what we're really looking for and what really we all should be focusing on is how can this software help me create great work? And that comes from knowing your art fundamentals. Let's get down to it. Art fundamentals, Emily, what what are they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good place to start. Essentially, art fundamentals are the building blocks or foundation of any piece of artwork. It may include aspects of creativity like colour theory, composition, lighting and value, perspective, form and anatomy. Art fundamentals can make or break your illustration. If you look at a piece of artwork and something seems a little bit off or not quite right, a bad execution of art fundamentals is usually the culprit of an unsuccessful drawing. Art is one of those things that people can judge very quickly and some people won't quite know why they don't like it, but they just don't. And you might ask why and they won't be able to pinpoint the exact reason. There's just something that's not quite right with it and it's throwing them off. Mm-hmm. And it's totally the case sometimes when you work in a certain client and they say they don't like an image, but they can't really put their finger on why, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, on the other hand, a professional artist would be able to say, oh, it's the form or the proportions mm-hmm. or the lighting's not right. And that's kind of the root cause of it. And your peers can maybe provide constructive feedback as to why something's not working. Um, Or 
if you also get into the practice of reflecting on your work and kind of criticizing yourself, you'd be able to pick up on these little things and then you can go and fix it. Mm. Let's think about portfolios. What separates an average portfolio from an extraordinary portfolio when you're looking at it? Well, when we look at people's portfolio work, um, there are a couple of things that really stand out to us. Number one is a good grasp of our fundamental basics an understanding of light and form, observational drawing skills, composition and color theory. The most beautifully rendered sphere is so much more appealing to us than a badly constructed complex illustration. The next thing, number two, what we look for are good figure drawing skills, as it gives us an idea of whether you have good observational skills and you're able to judge form and proportions correctly. There's a reason why so many Disney and Pixar artists um, do a lot of figure drawing training and practice, and it's so that they can correctly translate anatomy into the characters they create and animate. If you don't believe me, go check out what they do at CalArts, one of the most prestigious art schools for animations, and look at the figure drawing training that they do. Now, being medical illustrators, we need to have a really good understanding of figure drawing, as figure serves as our canvas for many of the visuals we create. Now, lastly, number three, the third thing that we look at are unique pieces of work that require a heck of a lot of visual problem solving. It's really easy to do frontal and side anatomical poses in portfolios because there are so many different references out there to help you visualize this. What's challenging is doing difficult orientations and figure poses and still maintain enough clarity in your medical illustrations to teach people something. This is spatial problem solving. And it takes a lot of time and dedication to learn this incredibly important skill for medical illustration. Mm, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think that anything that has somehow pushed the boundaries of what we typically see from medical illustrations will stick with your mind far more than a flat illustration on a white background. Mm -hmm. It could be like one of those really super detailed cross sections of the heart that an artist has spent hours and hours on, but something about it can just fall flat or look like something you've seen again and again mm -hmm. another thing I think is best to try and avoid using is your kind of set course assignments in your portfolio if you're competing with other graduates from the medical illustration course you graduated from for a job position then it's very likely that the employer will have seen all the coursework before and they won't necessarily be bowled over by the artwork unless you've done that little bit extra to do something different with it and present it in a unique way mm. In general, I'd just like to encourage people to be experimental because that's what art is meant to be. <laughs> if you're well informed in the fundamentals that you were chatting about, Annie, then mm. it's likely that your experimentations will go quite successfully and you might not have seen it coming. Mm. <laughs> like stepping out of the box and really just considering lighting, colour, layout design, exciting poses or angles will just set your work aside from the rest and it'll stay in the employer's mind. I love what you just said there, Emily, about stepping out of the box. And that's, that's where the real challenge comes in. When we see evidence that a person has some form of understanding of the fundamentals of art, we can tell that they will be able to problem solve any difficult creative challenges that might arise. And usually in medical illustration, we need to draw the unseen or draw something from a different viewpoint. Now, putting this into a cohesive and informative graphic as well is a challenge. And, and that's why we're specialists. But if you're just starting out, Trying to create highly complex medical illustrations is going to be incredibly difficult without building good foundations in your art fundamental understanding. 
So our advice here is to take those baby steps and time and learning these fundamentals. Do lots of studies, practice on primitive shapes, practice how to draw cross sections, change the orientation of shapes and implement perspective. Do so many of these exercises until you are sick of doing them. That takes us nicely onto our next section, which is what can you do about it? <laughs> I think first is knowing what art fundamentals are out there will be really helpful. Emily, you mentioned them at the very start of this chat. What were they again? The basic art fundamentals fall into the following categories. They're colour theory, composition, lighting and value, perspective, form and anatomy. There's loads of articles and books and tutorials that cover these in great detail. Um, the internet is a great resource to just go digging and it's all out there for you to find. <laughs> right. And I want to say, just touch on this point real quick. The schools that we go to, to learn medical illustration or even art schools, they give us the basic training of the fundamentals that we need for our work. It's up to us, the individual, to continue learning and building on those fundamentals, even after we graduate. And I think when people graduate, and I'm, I was one of those people, that's where sometimes they stop learning and they find a struggle to get back on that learning bandwagon. And you can kind of see the quality of work plateauing. Um, so don't, don't, don't be like me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done great, Annie. You're Thanks. fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, um, I think it's quite easy to get into the mindset of like, right, okay, I've done that. I've done my degree. I've got the skills. I'm ready to go and then sit around waiting for the opportunity to come up when maybe you have other peers out there who are actually actively continuing to learn and continuing to hone all these skills. And if you don't actually actively go out and try and up your game, then you'll just fall into a pool of past graduates. Mm. Something that you can do is just uh, buckle up and suck it up and <laughs> do the work. There's unfortunately no magic plug-in that can make your work wonderful. What makes someone's work outstanding is their use of all these basic fundamentals that we've talked about, composition, colour, lighting, and it's going to take a lot of work. It's really hard and you're going to get frustrated that your skills are not progressing as quickly as your knowledge intake is. But remember that it's all progress. You're slowly adding to your skill set throughout the years. And one day, far in the distance, you'll look back and you'll be able to see where you've begun and it'll be worth all that extra time that you put in. <laughs> so true. And, and, and another thing to consider is that this type of training, it's constant. There will always be another level to read up on, you know, for like color and lighting, for example. First, you learn about color theory, complementary colors, triads. Once you've mastered that, you step it up. Learn about how light affects color, how warm or cold lights affect shadow color. And then once you've learned that, you step it up another level. Learn about how light and colors affect translucent materials, what subsurface scattering is, and so on. You can keep mm -hmm. going throughout your life and just try and hone and add to your master skill. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I used to scour the internet for quick fix tutorials and I would get so frustrated that these tutorials couldn't tell me what I needed to know within the first 20 seconds. But I've come to realize that I actually learn more when I sit down, listen, try to understand why certain steps are being taken. And it's actually saved me a lot more development time further down the line rather than having to revisit those tutorials again and again. <laughs> Absolutely. I was the exact same with tutorials. I think the shift happened for me when I realized that I had to do some of that out of the box thinking because there just wasn't that perfect tutorial out there for what mm -hmm. I was trying to create. You might not find the exact how-to video you need 
And you're just probably going to have to, like you said, watch and read multiple tutorials until you can finally work out in a roundabout way how to achieve that thing in your mind. So you just can't settle on easy and you can't settle on your first option. Kind of leads us nicely into our next section about what not to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you for catching me before I went off on a rant about that. <laughs> yeah, I got you. First, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, firstly, do not use a tutorial and treat that like gospel and produce an exact copy. Mm. Most people use video tutorials to learn a certain new skill, which is great. And the internet has made it so easy to learn these skills. But it would be dreadful if everyone had the exact same portfolio pieces because of this. You need to use these skills and adapt them to your own style and maybe find new processes or easier ways to do it. Because just because that person's made a tutorial on the internet doesn't actually mean that that it's completely right and that there isn't a better way to do it. It's just trying to help people out. <laughs> and and sometimes I'll look at a person's portfolio and I have to admit, I, I don't like it when I can tell which tutorials that they've used create that piece. Mm-hmm. And it's even worse <laughs> if it's a direct copy of one of one of our tutorials. Thank you for trying these things out. But maybe it's not great just to showcase in, in like a final portfolio piece. So, yeah. you know, it's pieces like that, really, um, if you're applying for complex jobs that require a lot of problem solving, they're not really a good indicator to show that you're good at visual problem solving or have an understanding of why. It just shows that you, you can copy really well. But if the final piece doesn't even look like the tutorial example, eh, sometimes there's a bit of a worry that there's a lack of skill there. You can use tutorials, you know, and try. It's kind of like doing master copies. But those are probably best kept for development times. Think outside a box, like Emily said, you know, it's just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what can you do to step out of that box? Yeah, definitely. I think just don't look for an easy way out because there just, there really isn't one. <laughs> We've looked, it doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> it's easy to get frustrated and then get into a kind of, oh, that'll do or good enough mindset. And I think if you find yourself thinking like that, it's time to go out and get inspired and go out and look at some artists that you really admire and just find that spark that made you actually want to enter the creative fields in the first place. I think that kind of goes along with what you were saying about if you're just constantly copying people's tutorials and constantly learning and not actually implementing those skills into your own unique artwork, then it's quite easy to get stuck in a rut Mm. and it's quite easy to get disheartened. Mm -hmm. But instead of thinking, oh, that'll do, you might actually start feeling that your work will never be good enough because you're just in the cycle of having people teaching you stuff and then you just making copies of other people's work I guess to be honest I don't think anyone ever feels like their work is actually good enough I don't think I've met anyone who's been like oh yes this is it I've made it um the great thing about art is that if you are feeling lost or unmotivated you can just go and delve back into the fundamentals you're never done with learning it you're never done learning the fundamentals there's always that extra step as Annie was saying earlier I always find inspiration in going back and trying to improve these skills. Mm. So let's think a bit more on using tutorials. Annie, what is the point of tutorials? We seem to have slated them quite a bit. I know, right? <laughs> but how can we get the most out of using them? Yes, tutorials are great. I, I basically, I still use loads of tutorials for many of my projects right now. You're never going to find a perfect tutorial that tells you exactly how to create something that your client wants or that you, know, you have in your mind. 
if if such a tutorial exists, then you know why are people paying you to do the work when they can do it themselves? Basically, mm-hmm. a great way of using tutorials is to use their theory behind things and rejig it for your work. For example, if I wanted to learn more about better lighting in my digital painting, I look at tutorials that talks about lighting and three D rendering, or you know, lighting and photography. Even though it's two different softwares or two different types of artistic categories, they, the theory still applies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you're looking at a very niche field, such as the field we work in, medical and scientific illustration, you'll really find something that you're looking for by searching on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I remember when I started in 3D animation and trying to learn Maya, there was hardly anything on YouTube for creating some of the kind of standard medical animations that I wanted to learn how to do. I guess that's what really spurred me on to try and make tutorials myself and share the techniques when I finally worked out, oh, this is how you do it. People need to know this. <laughs> like, it shouldn't be kept secret. Um, I think you just, need to, you just need to think in really general terms when you're searching for tutorials. Mm. I did an animation on the reproductive system and I knew that I wasn't going to get much for how to animate 3D sperm swimming <laughs> on YouTube. Um, so you need to kind of break it down into like what, does that movement actually look like? Let's mm. like break it down to the very, very basics, like what is actually happening? It doesn't matter the subject matter, like what is the actual action in the scene? So I ended up looking at how to animate like flocks of birds or skulls of fish, tentacles, like all these other mm. things that people would definitely have animated before in the more general animation field and probably will have shared tutorials for. So what I'm trying to say is it's fine to have all the tools at your fingertips within a program, it's another level to be able to search for inspiration creatively in other places, not just particularly related to exactly what you are creating. Yeah. And, and this goes back to what we were saying about having skills you've been taught, but taking it to the next level, stepping mm-hmm. out of that box and using what you know about your fundamentals to elevate it. This works in animation as much as illustration, as you said, Emily. Further to what you said, there's so many fundamental skills that can be missed out in animation by being too software focused. So there are many resources out there for people looking to work in medical animation. You can look at things like Disney's 12 basic principles of animation. You can look at cinematography techniques in film. All those little extra things can elevate your work and bring greater realism and creativity to your work. Absolutely. I like that very much. I think on that note, it would be a great time to kind of wrap it up and do a quick summary of what we've covered. What are the main takeaways for our listeners? Okay, let's summarize some actionable steps here. Number one, get to know what the art fundamentals are. Read up on them. Scour the internet, books and videos. Watch all of them. If it applies to you, get to know specific art fundamentals for certain creative sectors, such as the 12 principles of animation or typography fundamentals if you want to focus more on layout and graphic design. Number three is put words into practice and do small training exercises. Do them regularly. Number four, self-critique and try and identify the reasons why when your image or animation looks off. Number five, use tutorials as a learning tool. Ask yourself why they chose that color or added that keyframe. Don't just mindlessly copy. Think about what you're doing. And number six, challenge yourself to step out of that box and create something different. 
And, <laughs> and I think that's probably enough for people to get started, Emily. Yeah, I think so. We could go on for days, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Thank you so much, Annie, for having this chat with me. And thanks everyone for tuning in to our Learn Medical Art podcast. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode on our website, www.learnmedical.art. Give us a follow on social media at Learn Medical Art. And if you want to get in touch, you can reach us via our website or send us a direct message. If you like this episode, go ahead, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Stay tuned for our next episode where we share more tips, tricks, and advice on working in the medical illustration and animation industry. 